This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. Order. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're coming live to you once again from College Green in Westminster. And I'll tell you what, it looks a pretty dismal scene down here. Uh, we're stuck in an ever-increasing whirlpool of our own making, getting closer and closer to going down the drain as our 650 elected members of Parliament continue to frustrate the process of leaving the European Union. Last night, Theresa May cut a pretty depressing figure as Parliament yet again rejected her latest improved deal by 149 votes. With her voice failing, she looked ever more isolated and hopeless as she announced a free vote on today's business which is of course the removal of the no deal option from the negotiations we're now entering yet more uncharted territory we might even be heading for a general election one thing is for sure we ain't leaving the eu anytime soon 0344 499 1000 is the number uh, we'll have a host of pundits and politicians on the show uh, there's no wind today it's a little bit colder uh, the big coat might have to be broken out sometime through the second hour we shall see most importantly though we want to hear from all of you of course Three four 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 nine nine one a thousand is the number to call us on. Ross Campbell is here, our political editor, to point us through the choppy waters that are uh, going to be coming up in front of us right here uh, throughout the course of the next three hours. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, live on Talk Radio from Westminster. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham, live from Westminster. Hey, order on Talk Radio. The flags are still flying, uh, the wind is still blowing the EU flag and the UK flag in the same way, uh, in the same direction. Nobody knows which direction we're going to end up in today. Uh, we move into phase two uh, of the Brexit drama, uh, where last night, of course, Theresa May's newly improved, supposedly newly improved deal, uh, got voted down yet again. She lost yet again. There are calls for her to step aside. There are calls for her to resign. We've also got a spring statement coming up, which should be pretty amusing this afternoon, because, of course, Philip Hammond, the Treasury uh, spokesman, the man who's supposed to run the finances of this country, uh, is going to be giving us some economic forecasts without any clue as to whether we'll be in the European Union or not. We're joined, first of all, this morning by Ross Kempsel, our political editor, and Peter Dowd, uh, Labour MP for Bootle, also Shadow Chief Secretary to the Treasury. Peter, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Probably quite a late night for you last night, but uh, not very surprising that she lost, really, is it? No, because she just brought back the effectively the same deal that she did last time with, a, I don't know, a couple of commas 
put here and a couple of T's crossed there mm. and a couple of I's dotted in different places. Yeah, right. So <coughs> so she is now ever more isolated. I mean, nobody seems to quite know whether the Tory party is going to turn on her uh, and try and force her out, whether the, uh, the Labour party is going to try and force a general election, possibly a vote of no confidence later on. What's your idea of what might happen today? Well, we, it's very difficult to say. The bottom line is, I think, there won't be. We, we will vote not to have a no deal. That will be taken off the table, I suspect, today. I think that's, that's pretty certain. Has that got a pretty high majority, do you think? Well, I suspect it has got a pretty high majority because the idea that we're going to leave without a deal sends shivers down everyone's spine, notwithstanding the pretty grim shivers we're suffering in this tent already, basically. <laughs> The tent of shame. Although, of course, as we hear every single day on this show uh, and other shows on talk radio, people do call up from uh, the general populace and say, can we just not get on with it? They're not as worried about a no-deal Brexit as all of you guys are. Well, and I I can understand people's frustration with that, but we're in a country which has been in the European Union for the best part of 50 years, and trying to come out of a union that you've been in for that length of time, for decades, is a pretty difficult process to achieve. I I can't say any more than that. It is a difficult process. And if it was as simple as that, it would have already been done. It's been made more difficult, though, hasn't it? Not least by some of the people in that building behind us, but also over in Brussels. I mean, they're already starting to make some noises that uh, they're not too happy. Uh, You know, they're they're starting to get a bit aggressive now with Britain. They're starting to say things like, you know, what on earth are they going to do next? When are we going to see them actually come up with a proper plan that we could endorse? When are they going to come up with a plan that they can even endorse themselves? Well, uh, the, for me, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward in that, in that. What we've been trying to do in the Labour Party is have this discussion, this debate with anybody who would listen about an alternative to just getting out of the European Union, the question of our membership of a customs union, you know, access to a single market. Um, that's what we've been trying to focus our attention on. The, the reality is, is the government haven't listened to that, Prime Minister hasn't listened to that. And so here we are, two years or more on from the referendum, with no further movement on that because the, the Prime Minister's been pretty stubborn and truculent in relation to her, as everyone calls them, the red lines. Mm. Um, and unless the government and she is prepared to move away from that, and the European Union are saying that as well, unless she's prepared to move away from those those, those red lines, that truculence, we're not going to make much progress. But the people in, in the electorate, of course, who voted to leave would say, but actually that's not what we want. What we want is just to leave. And it may well be that their view of it is unsophisticated and not as, as, as sort of nuanced as yours because you guys are supposed to be the experts here. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think they really... I mean, I hear more and more, we don't care how we leave, we just want to leave. Well, I, and I, look, I understand that, but we're charged as members of parliament with getting out of the European Union in the most sensible way that we possibly can. Now, that sometimes takes an awful lot of work and gumption to try to do that. And that's what we've been trying to... That's certainly what we've been trying to do in the Labour Party. I think that we've just come up against the stone wall of the, of the Prime Minister saying, we're out, we're, I'm not listening to anybody, I'm not listening to any views, despite maybe economic indicators, um, stuff you touched on before in relation to the spring statement despite incoming indicators that it's going to be pretty a pretty rough ride out there, the government just aren't listening. Let's talk about the spring statement because um, Philip Hammond, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Chancellor, will get up this afternoon in a rather febrile atmosphere mm-hmm. where presumably a lot of people are going to be going, well, why are you even bothering? You know, how is he going to make financial forecasts and, and economic sort of predictions in the current state of affairs that we're in? Well, the predictions are very difficult because the predictions are all over the place. For example, you've got the Bank of England saying that growth this year will be 1.2% and... Last year it was 1.6, 1.7, 1.8. I mean, the 
predictions are all, all over the place. But the bottom line in regards to this, we're still in austerity. Public services are still being cut. Schools are still being attacked. The NHS is in decay. Roads are in a particular state. And the reality is, whilst all this is going on in relation to Europe, the Chancellor still has to run the finances of the country. And he isn't running them very well. Mm. Well, what is going to happen later on then when you guys vote down the, uh, the vote no deal off the table? Uh, what happens next? Well, that remains to be seen insofar as there may well be an extension for further discussions to take place. But those discussions taking place have got to be, I suspect, on the basis of the government and the Prime Minister being prepared to move and to get out of the trench that she's dug herself into and get out of that trench and have conversations and discussions which have been getting offered to her for some considerable period of time, which she just seems to be incapable of listening to or budging on. Let me bring Ross Kempsell in. Ross, very good morning to you. Welcome back. Uh, Ross never sleeps during these periods uh, of, uh, of high parliamentary intrigue. Um, it's a fascinating time, but people are more frustrated today than they were yesterday, it seems to me. Yeah, uh, we were going into this week thinking that we would have a month of politics in a week. I think today we've got a week's worth of politics in a single day mm. because we've got the, single, the spring statement, uh, as Peter Dow has been talking about, Prime Minister's questions, the beginning of the debate on the no deal motion, on the government's motion tonight, and then that vote on no deal. Now, you talk about people being frustrated. In government, the situation this morning, after Cabinet, which just wrapped up, there was a special Cabinet meeting at 8am this morning, very, very split around the Cabinet table, uh, I think, on, on the votes tonight. The reason for that is that the uh, no deal vote tonight is actually quite complicated. So let's try and break down and work out exactly what's going on. First of all, you have the government's motion. That doesn't quote-unquote take no deal off the table. What it does is it says the House declines to approve no deal but recognises that no deal is the legal default position. That is the government's position. That's what the government wants to go through. The Prime Minister has offered a free vote on that deal to Tory MPs. That means they can decide what they want to do. We know that the Cabinet will move in different ways. We're told that Jeremy Hunt, for example, is likely to support that no deal, uh, whereas the majority of the Cabinet and the Prime Minister won't. Furthermore, the key issue is not on the government's motion, but on two amendments. The first is the Spellman Amendment. That amendment changes the government's motion. And instead of that, it says we're completely removing the option of no deal altogether. You can completely take it off. Now, that is a threat to the government because that doesn't do what the government wants to do today. In, in certain terms and it could lead to the Prime Minister losing control of the parliamentary process in the coming weeks which is really important for her to avoid so if the government is defeated on that amendment that is a very significant blow for Theresa May this evening potentially and it looks like the numbers could be there at this stage secondly the Malthouse compromise is the other amendment the second Malthouse amendment that is being put together that's the Brexiteers new plan they want to extend until the 22nd of May have a two-year frozen period until 2021 and then move into a kind of WTO's rules situation, broadly speaking. That is a threat to the government as well because that's not what the government wants to do either and there might be the numbers for that. So Theresa May could have two crushing policy defeats tonight. I don't know how many more crushing policy defeats she can have, Peter. I mean, here's the thing. At what point do you think the Labour Party will make a move uh, to try and force a general election? And is it possible that we could have a general election before we leave the EU? Well, I don't know about that. It's possible. It's, it's possible. Anything's possible in the current climate. As you said, it's that febrile. Anything yeah. is possible. I think from our side, we'd get a ge we'd push for a general election, but we can only get a general election if we get the support of the House of Commons. Whether the House of Commons supports that, whether Tories are prepared to vote for that, is a different... Do you think you'd win one? It's a different kettle of fish. At this point? Well, well, I think the way the Prime Minister's behaving and she's alienating every side of her own party, they may well, as somebody, uh, one, one senior Tory MP yesterday said, it's, it's 
time for a general election to try and lance the boil, so to speak. I'd like to see a general election, but only if there were parties that you could choose between uh, that looked as if they had different policies on Europe. At the moment, they don't really. I mean, the Labour Party is confused over Europe, as is the Tory party. So it's not a cut-and-dried choice, really, is it? Well, I don't think it's a question of being confused. I think we've made our position absolutely clear. At the end of the day, what we want is to, is to see a position where jobs and the economy is protected. And everything that the government have, have come up with, and even the Malthouse uh, proposal, is not going to protect the economy and jobs. We're already in austerity. That will make it worse. And the government's truculence and intransigence is just making things worse. Uncertainty, continued uncertainty, lack of continuity, it's just making things worse. But the, the populace out there would say you're just being as intransigent as they are because it's very clear the Labour Party will never back a Tory um, uh, Brexit withdrawal agreement and you just never will, will you? Well, it is the case of that. It's a question of, of trying to reach some sort of consensus on it. We've put forward our proposals in relation to a single, a single market access and a customs union access. That's what we've been trying for a long time. The fact that we repeated it time after time and it may have gone unheard by the Prime Minister or she just, just simply won't listen to it or won't move on the matter is not in a sense our problem we've done as best as we can to try and push our view okay peter thank you very much indeed good luck this afternoon uh, the spring statement coming up later on ross kempsell's going to stay with us uh, we've got loads of other guests we want to hear from you as well 0344 we have reached the point of no return uh, so we may have to go back to the beginning if that makes any sense at all this is talk radio Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green down in Westminster. There's an awful lot of activity going on. The way we are hearing it uh, in the background, the noise uh, and the fury that is going on behind us in the past of Westminster, you would not believe, ladies and gentlemen, because almost every MP uh, that we get on this show uh, has got something different to say. Almost every kind of lobbyist that we get on this show has got something different to say. Just had George Freeman there, uh, um, Tory MP for Mid-Norfolk, basically telling us uh, that he's got a better plan than the one that Theresa May lost once again last Last night by 149 votes, he wants to have uh, some kind of uh, part of a customs union deal which would actually make it more possible for us to be like the uh, European countries which are outside of the European Union but still have a connection to it. Uh, he says, unfortunately, that would also mean that we would still have freedom of movement but only between countries with workers going from one country to another rather than citizens. Sean says, loads of MPs, including your guests, are going to be looking for alternative careers very soon. And Annette says, free movement was not a massive issue. Eh? Her Majesty's government has always had it in its power to restrict benefits to register people like Europe. Uh, it is, of course, doable. Uh, Robert says, hi, Mike. It was a terrible campaign, in quotes, says George, just like every general election campaign in living memory then. And we don't ignore those. Uh, and Jake says, no wonder people despise politicians. Arrogant George is infuriating. Well, I think that's a bit harsh, actually, to be honest. I think George, for whatever you may say about what, he's, what he comes out with and what his ideas are, he's a pretty sincere individual. He's been on this show many times, and I would say uh, that he's one of the more um, believable Tory MPs who has a plan and who does believe, even though he was a Remainer, that he wants to carry on the business and the will of the people, which is to leave the European Union. We're going to take some calls shortly, 0344 499 However, I'm joined now by Angela Smith uh, from the Independent Group. Uh, she's an MP from Pennystone and Stockbridge. Angela, welcome to the uh, Tent of Shame, as we like to call it here at Talk Radio. Good morning. And uh, well, well done for, uh, I suppose, 
doing something about your unhappiness with the with the with the two party system as yeah. it uh, uh, as it currently exists because it's very confusing. I think for an awful lot of people, an awful lot of our listeners yeah. are very unhappy with the two main parties. Yeah, how's it going in the independent group so far? It's going really well because you know we um, have broken away from the cultures within our previous parties that we were so unhappy with. Yeah, um, we we were really frustrated at the inability of those parties to put the country first. You know, it's not just about Brexit, it's a whole range of things. I mean, look at Mayet's party, the Labour Party, national security, economic policy... Whichever way one wants to look at it, it was a problem. Well, it's two parties within one party as well, isn't it? I mean, you've got Tom Watson having meetings yeah. on, on one hand over here. Yeah. You've got Jeremy Corbyn uh, and his, his lieutenants having other meetings over here. They're not talking to one another. They don't appear to be on the same page on almost every subject. It's a very broad church. Very, uh, that's what they like to say, isn't it? A broad church. Right. It includes uh, quite a lot of people in lots of other churches. But, what, but what's emerging now is that, look, these broad churches in both the Tory side of the House and the Labour Party are cracking under the strain of the issues facing the country at the moment. And our politics is totally broken. It really is. And, I mean, I I talk to an awful lot of people, as you can imagine, as I'm sure you do as well, Mm. but on the radio, um, just people that I talk to in in the street and around the place. And people are so disillusioned, I think, with the whole process. And it's not getting any better because what we saw last night, again, was people voting against a deal for Brexit, which uh, was supposed to be something they wanted, which people find incredibly kind of frustrating. I mean, people out there, I feel for people out there, they must be really, really angry with the way things are going. And Theresa May said to me in response to a question I asked a couple of weeks ago, she she did say to me, at least you've been consistent. And I think that's what the public Mm. wants. It wants politicians to be consistent and to stick to principles. I think as well, and I'm going to ask you this question, I hope you don't mind if I do, I think politicians should be honest as well about what they want. I mean, if you don't want to leave the European Union and you really want to do your level best to keep Britain in the European Union, I think politicians should admit that and and, and lay out their reasons for why that should be, rather Mm. than saying, well, of course, you know, what we want is a more sensible Brexit, we don't want this Brexit, we want that Brexit, because a lot of people are seeing through all that and they're saying, this looks like an attempt to frustrate the process more than it looks like anything else. Yeah, and I think my, my, you, well, you'll know that my view is that we should go back to the people with Theresa May's deal. And my view is, yes. In the That's con- already done, though, isn't it? Theresa May's deal, isn't it? Busted now, having been voted well, down? Well, I think, I think it's done in Parliament, but mm. I think if she came back and said, look, OK, I acknowledge that the best thing to do with this now is to go back to the country with it, I'd vote for that. Because do you know what? I would go out, I'd be clear as well that I'd go out in that campaign and campaigned even then to say no and to stay in. Mm. But it, that's honest. I'm being honest about where I am okay. on it. But um, there's very few people saying think, those things yes. and admitting those things because there are those as well who don't really give exactly what they would they would want on the ballot. On the ballot. I mean, you're going to say to me that you want Remain still to be on there yeah. and you want the Remain versus Theresa May's deal. That's right. A lot of people think that's unfair because we've already had one referendum mm. and we haven't yet enacted the result of that. So you can't really have a second one before you've enacted the first one. Yeah, I see it slightly differently. And in 2016, we had a, uh, a vote in principle to leave the European Union. We've now got that deal. Mm. I think a further referendum would be a final say, it would be a final check on the part of the electorate. Look, now you know what it looks like. 
do you still want to go ahead? Wouldn't it be more of a finessing, though, right, where you would say, okay, either you want this deal or you don't want any deal and you just want to leave? Wouldn't that be the fairer referendum? Because as you say, agreeing in principle, it's a bit like, I mean, people make all these analogies about buying a house, you know. They don't say, right, now you've agreed to buy the house, um, let's have a second uh, question for you. Do you still want to buy the house? Although there's always a calling-off period. So when you initially agree to buy a house, you then do the surveys... You find out what's wrong with it. You, you find out all the weaknesses with the house. There may be some planning issues up and coming. And then at, at, at the end of the process, there's a further decision to be made. Yes. Do I still want you to buy it? You can walk away. You can walk away. Which, of course, you're going to vote tonight for not being able to do. Well, in terms of no deal, I think no deal is so utterly detrimental and would be so utterly devastating to the future of the country. Um, that I think actually Parliament is entirely justified in in saying no to no deal. Does it not seem to you, though, that we could be doing this forever? We could literally be sitting here ten years from now having the same conversation. Well, this is another reason for going back to the people, because I I think as well if there is a a referendum and you have May's deal and remain on the ballot paper, there is a protocol between both parties which makes it clear that this is it. Now, this is it. Over and done with. What you mean, once the the result is in... That's it. You can't argue about it. You have to enact it. you've got to go ahead. But, of course, that's what everybody said the last time. I mean, every politician said this deal will be enacted. Whatever the result, whether it's remain, whether it's to leave, we will do what the people say. And nobody's kept that promise. They just haven't done it. Cameron said that, I think. I mean, I know. Well, lots of other MPs did. Yes, they did. I always... I mean, look, making referenda binding isn't always a sensible thing to do. I think we are Especially where we are, lose, though. Right? Well, we are where we are, <laughs> and I think the next one, because it's it's kind of predicated on the last one, does have to be binding. But do you really think that anybody, and I mean, again, the people I speak to who are quite angry about all of this, do you really think anyone will ever trust politicians again to do another <laughs> referendum and to then carry it out as they said they would the last one? Very, very fair point, and I think we'd have to make sure that the Electoral Commission is much firmer and stricter about the funding for a campaign, about the guidelines um, kind of underpinning it and the conduct of the campaign. And I I think there is a distrust now in our democracy, in this country, about democracy and elections and referenda. It worries me a great deal. It's one of the reasons why I departed from my own party, because I think we've got a huge challenge on our hands now to rebuild politics, rebuild democracy almost, and trust. And trust is at the heart of it. And speaking of which, there's a lot of people talking about the possibility of an election, a general election, because of the impasse that we have here behind us in the Palace of West. Minister, uh, if there is a general election, are you guys getting organised and fundraising and making sure that you would be able to run as a proper party? I know there was a- applications made to uh, the Electoral Commission and all that sort of thing. How's vis- that going? We've visited the Electoral Commission. We're only at the start of the process um, of registering as a political party. It will take time. So I, I can't answer your question, really, um, if I'm honest, about a general election. Because clearly, look, we only we were only founded. Is it three weeks ago? Mm. Three uh, weeks is a long a, time in politics. A, it, as they say. it is a long time, but it's it's not a very long time when it comes to establishing a, a new political party. So I can't tell you now what we would do if a general election were to be called. But my own view is that a general election would do nothing 
at this moment mm. to solve any of the problems that no, we face. No, I agree with that, because there's not enough difference between the parties on the main issue of the day, which That's is Brexit, right. of course. Yeah. And what about more members? Are you looking at any uh, recruiting any more people after the, uh, the next couple it's, of votes? It's, it's an ongoing process, of course it is. Mm. And we'd love to have more colleagues come over to us. We think they will. But it's a very individual decision, and every colleague has to do it in his or her own way in his or her own time. So I think it will happen. I'm sure it will happen. Okay. It's an ongoing process. Angela, thanks very much Thank indeed. You. Angela Smith from the Independent Group, one of those who's left the two-party system, uh, along with Chucka Amuna uh, and several others. Lots, lots more for us to do. 0344 499 uh, is the number to get in touch with us. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With Rapier Sharp Instant Reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. I like to wait, see how things turn out. If you apply some pressure, I like to wait, see how things turn out. If you apply some pressure. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live from College Green in Westminster, and a lot of you are not very happy about what Angela Smith had to say. Scott says absolute treachery that she wants a second referendum, but doesn't want to give 17.4 million a box to tick. Does she realise how angry people would be? Uh, Lionheart says, here we go, Angela Smith in her buying a house analogy, which is completely flawed in every single way, as per her second referendum as a final check. She knows full well that it would be a full-on campaign to manipulate the vote to remain. Democracy is not a two-for-one offer. We've said that before. Uh, on this uh, programme and also sitting in this tent that why why should uh, the Leave voters have to vote twice and win twice when the Remain voters would only have to win once? That doesn't seem to make much sense. Let's talk to Peter, who's in Folkestone. Hello, Peter. Hi, Mike. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. What can you tell us? I can tell you this, sir. I'm reading the Conservative Party manifesto from 2017. Uh-huh. And uh, it says, and I quote... But we continue to believe that no deal is better than a bad deal for the UK. Right. And this evening, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, May, yeah. or may not, as the case may be, <laughs> um, is going to vote uh, to, to take the no deal option away from the country. Now, that's flat out straight. That's a direct contravention of, of what she promised to the country in 2017. Right. But and is she going to vote that way? Because she's always said, even the last time she was asked by Jeremy Corbyn if she would take it off the table, she's always said that she wouldn't take it off the table. Well, they're, they're going to go in, they're going to vote for it, mate. Oh, you they know, are, but I'm, I'm not sure that she's going to be leading the charge, is all I'm saying. Well, the, the idea that it's up for a vote yeah. is, is itself, you know, it's something that was non-negotiable is now on the table for negotiation. Right. I know. And, and if that's how you do deals... Well, flat out straight, you know, you need to go back to deal school. The, the, you know, like the song says, she's just too bad to be true. 
Everything. Well, do you know? Do you know what the other thing is, though, as well, Peter? Is this is not a, not a binding vote. This is only a kind of advisory vote. So, technically speaking, no matter what the result, she could completely ignore it and say, "Well, the law still says we leave on March the 29th, no matter what you say." Well, uh, so you know, the horrible truth is that I think I think you've said it several times this morning, and I agree with you. Is that this has actually just blown the the idea or the image that politicians have any clue whatsoever about how to run a country or indeed have the qualifications to do so. And, and this has just exploded the myth that actually they're worth the pay that they receive. Yeah. Because if you had to pay somebody based on the results of two years' worth of work and they have provided you with a sum total of diddly-flipping squat, mm. you'd absolutely be fizzing angry and everyone would be sacked. No, you're absolutely right. I cannot agree with you more, Peter. Thank you very much indeed for your call. 0344 499 Let's talk to Susan, who's in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Oh, good morning, Michael. Um, I want to raise a few points with you Do regarding you? what... Well, yes. Don't get smart, sweetie. I'm oh, not no, I just, I'm just having a conversation with okay, you, Susan. Fine. I'm saying right. it touchy. No. Right. What happens if there's a war, if we detach ourselves hey? from Europe? Are they going to bail us out? Well, it's not going to be a war. What are you talking about? You don't... Listen, sweetie, you don't know. If the Chinese invade the Isle of Wight and work their way <laughs> up... Why would they bother <laughs> no. invading the Isle of Wight? There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, well, they can use that as a, as a base to get... Oh, yeah, right, OK. Right, OK, so if there's a war, who's right. going to help us? Tell America. Me. The US of A, as they always do. I mean, like, forget oh, the really? last time we had a big okay. war. It was actually against the people in Europe. It wasn't with them. OK, right. Next point, because I have to yes. move on with you, because you always budge me up. Interpol. Well, the time is of what? the essence, uh, darling. I know. So what happens with the Interpol situation? If you've got rapists and violent criminals in Europe who are wanted by their police forces, uh-huh. who jump ship and come here... Where you mean Europol? Interpol- you mean yeah, Europol, well, no, don't you? No. Well, last Interpol, time at the Interpol, like there was a story about Interpol, was when they kidnapped their own chief in China. Do you remember? No. Look, tell me what's going to happen. Are they going to help us? Yeah, of course they are. Listen, yeah, at the moment, right? If... At the moment, let me tell you something. At the moment, we're supposed mm. to have all this, all this cooperation from the European Union, right? Mm. There are countries yeah. in Eastern Europe, formerly Eastern mm. Europe, who have joined the EU, who have absolutely yes. no record to give us of any of their criminals that have come here. So we're already in a bad place. Yeah, well, we, yeah, well, no, we've got rapists who've been let out and they're wandering the street. Right. What happens if you want to go to... I don't go to France. I, the, the French don't like us. If what happens if oh, you and your wife true. and your family... No, I go, go to France. To... The French are lovely people. OK, so if you want to take your puppy to France... Yeah. Yes. Um, what's going to happen? He's been already, you know. No, you left He's him with He's been a couple your... of times already. No, he has. He's been a couple of times already. Yeah, but what happens after the deal? Will you, Will you still be able to take him on his puppy passport? Well, you might be able to. It has yet to be determined. That one hasn't been figured out yet. No. But okay, it's not really so... a reason not to leave the European Union because my dog no, might not be able to go I've to France, just, is it? I've just given you four points. The other point is, as a vegetarian... <laughs> I thought it was five. If there's, if there's not enough cauliflowers and cabbages to come here? Because well, I'm I would start growing some now. Have you got an allotment? No. I'm in a well, one-bedroom flat. 
get an allotment. Get an allotment, right? And grow some cabbages. The cauliflowers, everybody grow their own. Why don't we ask Cornwall and Devon to grow some? We've got very nice soil in Cornwall and Devon yeah. and Kent. There Why you go. can't we do our own? Well, we can. Why do you depending you? on other? Why do you depend on other people? Why can't we I be don't. dependent on ourselves? I think you're absolutely right. Couldn't I couldn't agree more with you, Susan. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Susan. With five very valid points, I, all of which I think I answered tremendously well. I don't think anybody could fault either one of us in that particular scenario. Now, coming up, uh, it's going to be time for Prime Minister's questions. Now, what we don't know: the first question will be, uh, does the Prime Minister have a voice? The second question will be, how long will it last? The third question will be, how long before we all get so bored of Brexit uh, that we end up throwing ourselves in the Thames? I tell you what, I'm getting quite close to it already. 0344 499 1000 is the number to call us. You can still call us. We're here till one o'clock when Matthew Wright takes over. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Gray. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. Now, last night you would have to say that Theresa May looked about as uh, defeated as she has ever looked. The fact that her voice wasn't really working terribly well didn't help. The fact that her husband was watching her in the chamber, uh, seemingly looking terribly sympathetic to the plight that she has found herself in. Right now, though, uh, there are lots of Tories who might be thinking, is it time to push her to one side? We're going to speak now to George Freeman, uh, who's MP for Mid-Norfolk for the Tory party. George, a very good morning to you and welcome uh, to the Tent of Shame. Well, thank you. Good to be here in the Republic. I see that you've found a nice glint of sunshine to sit in as well, which is going to work wonders for our video cameras, because you're going to look very, very much healthier than I yeah, that, not much about. Well, there, there you go. There isn't a lot of sunshine going around inside the Tory party right now. What's the mood? Uh, it's absolutely appalling, mm. if I'm honest. And, and, you know, let's just be clear what happened last night. Um, the Prime Minister defied the, all the pundits a year ago and actually came up with a withdrawal deal to deliver Brexit. This was the moment the Conservative Party would come together and deliver Brexit. And I stood in the lobbies having voted for Brexit as a former Remainer and watched the hardline ERG Brexiteers joined the hard-left Corbynite, mm. the SNP and the second refers, and vote it down. I mean, this is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so, what do we do now? Well, it's very clear that uh, this deal is dead, in my view, completely dead. I think so. As a dodo. And, but Brexit isn't, and mustn't be, can't be, so we've now got to find plan B. There's a majority still in this House. You've had me on this show before to say this. It's still there. There's a majority for a sensible pro-business Brexit. And the idea that this was always just going to be a Tory victory was wrong, is wrong, and has now been proven to be. So let's reach across the House, work with Northern Labour MPs in Brexit constituencies, and find a sensible Brexit. Is there a compromise to be found, though? Because we were talking to Jim Fitzpatrick just now, who seems to be sort of wavering one way one day and waving another way another day. I mean, he himself said that if it looked as though that vote last night was going to be close, he may well have moved over and voted with the government. Um, so he was kind of backing what you're saying, that if there is some form of compromise, that would be great. But I wonder about the Labour leadership and whether they will ever accept any kind of compromise because it seems to me that they just want to vote against anything the Tories put up. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, revolution, the Corbyn revolution requires chaos first, and that's why I was begging the Brexiteer colleagues last night, do not vote for mm. chaos crisis because you'll get Corbyn, three Cs. And I'm afraid if, if we'd lost by 15 votes last night, then I think we could have probably got 15 Labour MPs to come over and vote for it. But a vote over 100 defeat, mm. it's dead. And I'm afraid the crisis is deepened. And the danger is, yes, that Jeremy Corbyn will ride the crisis. Uh, he really wants a hard Brexit, no deal, disastrous Brexit on the Tory watch. And he'll then win a general election and 
inherit the crisis which will justify his radicalism. Mm. It's not what the country wants. The country wants us to deliver a sensible Brexit that works uh, to give business and jobs the protection they need, but gets us out of the political union. But, they also, majority want some, but they also want something to be seen to at least be moving towards that. And at the moment, we just don't seem to be moving towards anything. That's right. And I think what you'll see in the next uh, two days, today and tomorrow, I think the House will say, this is not a vote last night to stop Brexit at all. And I passionately believe that a second referendum would be a mistake now. Parliament created this problem. Parliament has got to solve it. And I think you'll see Parliament say, right, we have to extend for three months and try plan B. And, you know, if we can't find a plan, then we are in a really deep crisis. Well, absolutely. We'll either crash out, which I think would lead to a Corbyn government, or we have a general election, or the pressure for a second referendum will grow and grow. I think that would be a disaster. Partly because I think we'll get the same result, no result or the opposite result. And well, then people also, will say, let's have another one. And also, you've had a referendum, you've had a result and you can't seem to solve that particular problem. So how would a second referendum in any way Correct. make things better? Correct. The problem is in Parliament. The problem isn't in the country. Uh, I mean, the country's divided, but that's our job, yeah. to take a, a, a divided country and a mandate, 52-48 to leave was not a mandate to become sort of UKIP republic. Mm. Uh, it, neither was it a mandate to remain in the European Union. Right. We, my, my Leave voters said to me, George, I voted to go into the common market. I don't want to be in a political union. That's what I want. Those are the Leave voters. So it seems to me we've got to find a way to, uh, to try and deliver that. And for me, the, the obvious plan B would be joining the European Free Trade Area, EFTA. Gives us access to the single market, tick. Out of the customs union, tick. Free to do trade deals, tick. Not subject to the European Court of Justice, tick. EFTA court, British judges, pretty good. The downside of it is that we would have to accept, as a price of free uh, accessing the single market, free movement. But the good news, it's of workers, not citizens. And we would there are control mechanisms in EFTA. But I think we'd have to do two other things. One, bold reform of welfare to stop welfare tourism. People can come here to work but they can't send housing benefit mm. back to Poland. And that's easy enough to do. We can do I mean, that. plenty of other countries in Europe don't have what you might call a uniform policy on anything. Quite right. And there's no European right of access to British welfare. That's a British failure. We should have put it right five years ago. Uh, if Cameron had done that, I think we possibly yeah. might have remained in. And the second thing I would do is a major skills programme, uh, because a lot of the Brexit vote was understandably driven by people feeling like government isn't listening, that economic security sweeping the West, globalisation, China, blue-collar voters wondering if they've got a future, and we've got to invest in skills for them. I think that package would deliver a Brexit that people could say, It Good. sounds very sensible, but have you got any support for it? Is there anybody else that goes along with you that you could form a kind of movement around? Yep. Um, in the Tory party, we're, I've got 40 MPs. We're publishing a book in May on uh, a positive vision for Britain beyond Brexit w with this in it. Maybe but, you should get it out of it sooner. Yeah, well... I mean, you know, May's a long way off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, cross-party, there's a big group of us, uh, Labour, Northern Labour MPs, uh, to whom, with whom that really resonates. Right. And we could get this through the House. OK. Now, you said that the deal is dead from last night. How about Theresa May? Can she survive? And if so, how much longer for? Because I know for a fact yesterday some Tory MPs were being asked to vote for the deal in return for her head, and they were already offering her up as the sacrificial lamb if the vote went through. Well, look, I, I, you know my view. I was the first to say last year that she should deliver withdrawal and then go, mm. because the future relationship with Europe and 
the future of this country, I think, needs to be led by a, a new generation, new leader uh, with a new vision. Um, and I think Brexit withdrawal is going to suck all the lifeblood out of whichever politician is unfortunate enough to be holding the parcel. Well, unless it's it. already done that to her. Yeah, and I think yesterday... Well, she looks pretty spent. Yeah, I think that's right. There was a moment in the House last night you could feel another nail in the coffin yeah. of the Prime Minister's authority, and she acknowledged as much herself and said, I am the servant now of Parliament. Yeah. You will decide, and I will, I will deliver. So the ball is now in our court, and MPs have got to come together, stop scoring cheap points, compromise, and keep our eye on the real challenge and prize, delivering a Brexit that the vast majority of the British people could say, well, that's fair enough. That's and, what, and what about tonight's doings? Because tonight, more than likely, the no-deal option will be taken off the table, albeit as an advisory vote, so it doesn't have to mean anything. But it will mean something, won't it? Well, it will mean something politically. It'll signal that there's a majority in the House who don't want no-deal, and quite right too. It would be very damaging, disastrous. But it doesn't change the legal position, which is that no-deal... Yes, yeah, so that's what default. I mean. So yeah. it's possible that it could mean nothing if you took it that way. If you were a strong Prime Minister and if you had a strong belief in uh, what Britain could achieve post-Brexit, regardless of how Brexit was, was managed, then you would ignore it, wouldn't you? Well, possibly. Um, but I, I think the danger, the most likely outcome at the moment is no deal. Because uh, it is the legal default. Parliament passed the Withdrawal Act with no deal as the default. Mm. I'm pretty cross with uh, Brexiteer colleagues last night who voted against Brexit withdrawal because they actually want a no-deal crisis. Uh-huh. I think that's unforgivable. But that is the most likely outcome. Well, their argument, of course, would be we don't want a no-deal crisis. What we don't want, though, is uh, a deal which is worse than the current situation we have with the European Union, which is how they see it. Well, that's what they say. But last night they had a chance to, to vote for Brexit, to vote for withdrawal, to deliver it. And I've been warning them, a number of us have been warning them, be careful what you wish for. If you deepen the crisis, you're more likely to get Corbyn and lose Brexit. Mm. And do you think he would win a general election at this point, Jeremy Corbyn? I think... Uh, I mean, your polling must tell you something, presumably. Yeah, yeah I, I think right now, disillusionment with all politics, all parties is... I've never known it so I'm getting lots deep. of people on social media saying we're never voting for the Labour or Tories again. Yeah, and Those I think... I think the probability is that there would be the lowest turnout in history. Yeah. I think the Conservative vote would collapse. And I think the Labour vote would probably hold up a bit more. And I'm afraid I think that Corbyn would form a minority government. And that's why I don't think a general election... If, you know, if there was a real choice, if both parties uh, were setting out very different positions then you could argue, well, the British public should Yeah, let's have an election. That's what I've always said. If there were two parties to choose between in terms of joining Europe again in a different way, leaving Europe, but there isn't anything to choose between them on that particular policy. No, Corbyn is, uh, you know, he he campaigns as a Brexiteer up north and a Remainer down south. He's the sort of um, scarlet Mm. pimpernel of Brexit. uh, Town and country, some would call it. There you go. Um, But... So I don't think at the moment that choice, I don't think it solves anything. I think the public would say, well, how do I choose? Um, I, no, this is a problem that Parliament created and Parliament's got to sort it out. We don't. I think public trust, not just in parties or in Parliament, 
in the whole of our democratic politics yeah. will be a crisis point. Yeah, I think it already is at that point, actually, because we'll find out from some callers, I'm sure, coming up. Uh, and yeah. if you're able to talk to them, that would be Love great. Uh, George Freeman's here. Uh, if you want to talk to him, you want to ask him any questions at all, uh, as long as they're clean, of course, by all means, give us a ring. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. We're live from Westminster. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.